Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, here's your host, Steve Zaki. Welcome to the Final Inspection Show. I'm Steve Zotke. Joining me in studio, Mayor Mitch, Mitch Ross. And joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, it is Jeff Orlowski, the Polish Pipe Bomb. How are you doing, sir? Fantastic, Steve. How are you? Fantastic also. It is just it's a fun time to be a Wisconsin sports fan. Lots of stuff happening. Badgers playing. we got the Brewers playing well. Packers Playing well, we'll see what happens tomorrow. And it's a good time to be a race fan because there's a lot of things happening in the world of auto racing, especially last night at Richmond. We had the Xfinity Series. Cup Cup Series is racing tonight, but last night it was a uh, a butt-whooping, wasn't it, by Christopher Bell? Yeah, it sure was. That was domination from green flag to, check, you know, uh, the green checkered flag uh, twice was since he won both stages and then went on to dominate the final stage as well for the win. So that, uh, you know, he definitely put his best foot forward and uh, showed that he's the man to beat in uh, this year's Xfinity playoffs, that's for sure. Yeah, last night, of course, was the uh, 39th annual Go Bowling 250 at Richmond. As you said, uh, Christopher Bell uh, won stage one and stage two. Led for two times, led 238 of the 250 laps. And, uh, I, I, yeah, I guess dominating. I guess he kind of, um, you know, if he wanted to, I'm sure he could have led a lot further. But uh, part of it was you had to kind of save your tires a bit. And you had to manage tires. And that's one of the reasons why we, we, we like Richmond. And we're looking forward to this evening also because it's a track where you just don't, press the accelerator, hang on, and try to win the race. There's strategies in here. There's people, you know, you got to make your car handle. There's different grooves. There's, there's, It's a whole buffet of strategies that can be involved tonight, isn't there, and last night. Yeah, it takes the whole package. And I think Richmond is one of those tracks that definitely favors the drivers that are more in tune with their race car, the drivers that are able to communicate the best with their crew chiefs, on the adjustments that they need to make their cars turn better, uh, get off the corner better, get back into the accelerator quicker, out, coming out of the turns. Uh, you know, it it definitely helps to to just sit there and not, not be one of those guys where, oh, you know, I just drive, uh, you know, what they give me. You know, if you're able to tell, tell your crew chief what you need, and Justin Allgaier was a perfect example yesterday. That kid had everything go wrong, mm-hmm. and he still managed to come out with a fourth-place finish. He was mighty impressive as well. And uh, for him not to come out uh, of that race, he's got to just have you know huge confidence when, uh, when it looked like everything was stacked against him last night. So, you know, I, I think it's going to be another good one tonight, and uh, – you know, I can't wait. I can't wait. I love it. I, I love Richmond. We talk about it all the time. That's my favorite track. Yeah, it's mine too, especially. Uh, you know, and, and it it 
it appears to be it's going to be a, a three-person race for the championship between Bell, uh, Augier, and uh, um, Tyler Reddick. And Tyler Reddick ran into some issues, didn't have the best night, uh, still salvaged a, a 10th place finish. But a b- bit of a surprise to Austin, Austin Sindrick and his Team Penske racing. This is a kid who, let, let's face it, you know, he's, he's driven a lot of different types of race cars has not spent a lot of time in, in stock cars before the last two years. So, and was, is, was determined, okay, we're going to go in this direction regarding your racing career. So he was probably did not have the experience of, of, uh, being in a full body stock car as a lot of these other, uh, drivers, but it certainly seems like the he's he's getting more comfortable, especially last night with his second place finish, isn't he? Oh, absolutely, and it shows you what a what a quick learner he is, and uh, that he was able to pick up and drive and and perform so well in the Xfinity series this year shows just the talent level that he has. Now, they talked about it a lot on the broadcast how there were a lot of times where Austin Sindrick was, uh, you know, he just couldn't get out of his own way and created a lot of his own problems. Mm-hmm. He doesn't seem to be doing that anymore. He seems to be more patient. And, uh, you know, obviously that comes with maturity. That comes with experience in the series. But uh, he's definitely putting his best foot forward. And uh, I wouldn't count him out. I think he's definitely a dark horse uh, to go along with, with the big three that you mentioned. But, you know, especially after last night, it's hard to, to, to choose anybody as a favorite whose name isn't Christopher Bell. Sure, exactly. And, you know, watching the race, I, I, I got to kind of feel sorry for uh, <laughs> Mike, uh, Mike Mollar, who is making his, apparently his first race. He's in the 66 car. And so here you are, your first race. Okay, great. Richmond, you know, it, it, it can be, you, know, you can, you, you can definitely get into trouble at Richmond, but here it is first race, first lap. And it looked like, you know, he just went into somebody, you know, drop kick somebody and, and caused he spun out front end damage and, and he retired. Yeah. It's just, you got, <laughs> you know, I'm sure he's telling everybody, Hey, I'm going to be in my first NASCAR race. Come on, take a look, you know, watch for me. And then here it is one lap and you know, you're going into the pits. How, how frustrating must that be for a driver? Oh, that's got to just be absolutely brutal. And, uh, you know, like you said, you sit there, you got all your family, all your friends. It's a huge moment for you. It's a huge moment for your career. And don't blink or you didn't see me in the race. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that's got to just, it's got to be a, just a horrible, horrible feeling. You know, you definitely feel bad for the kid. It was trouble of his own making. But, um you know, it, you definitely just shake your head and and hope that uh, he's able to bounce back. You know, when uh, the next time and and have a lot better showing than he did yesterday. Yeah, and there's a few drivers that certainly appear to be making some waves. And you know, we got Christopher Bell will be moving on uh, next year as as well as uh, Tyler Reddick. But there's a few drivers that that that, that kind of make this uh, that could make this uh, series pretty interesting next year. Uh, one of them, of course, is Joe Graff Jr. Uh, there's been some, you know, people saying, you know, take a look and watch this guy, along with Zane Smith and, and, and Harrison Burton and, and the kid who really seems to be talented, uh, the, the Ford back driver, Chase Briscoe. W- which one of those uh, drivers that kind of kind of say, hey, yeah, this is the guy I want to watch out for coming up in the future? Well, for me, it's Briscoe. I think, uh, I think he's got talent. Uh, he's obviously with uh, – you know, being with Ford and, and the success that they've had at the cup level uh, lately. And, uh, you know, there's, they've definitely got their program together. And he's got more experience than a lot of those other guys. And, uh, you know, experience definitely helps, especially in racing. And, uh, you know, we talk all the time about uh, all the other sports. And uh, when the Brewers made their Game 7 NLCS run, you know, last year, oh, you know, look at all the experience. We'll be able to just build on that going forward. And it definitely seems like they have with the hot streak that they're on now. So, 
between Briscoe's uh, experience and all that, for me, it, it's him. Yeah, it certainly is. Who who do you like in the, in, in in the race tonight uh, for the uh, Richmond Four Hundred Cup Series race tonight? Well, uh, I hope you're sitting down for this Uh-oh. one. I'm going to kind of shock you here and go with Chase Elliott. Okay, I don't so, think that's I, that's out really that crazy, but no, but I I'm not a Chase Elliott fan, so for me to say nice things about him kind of hurts me a little bit, but. Um, you know, I, I think he's going to have a, a, a good day, and uh, and I hope he does because if he wins tonight, he's going to win me some money. But um, so I've got that as a extra motivation to root for him tonight. But uh, you know, I, I think Chase Elliott. Um, you know, it's hard to pick Kyle Busch. You know, he uh, he can't seem to get out of his own way lately, and uh, which is odd. He's had a uh, I think we're up to, what, 13, 14 races now with him not finding victory lane. And uh, that doesn't happen often, so he's definitely due. But uh, but I, if I, I'm going to put down a little uh, a little scratch on uh, on good old Chase. Of course, Brad Kasalski uh, is on the pole for the Federated Auto Parts uh, Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series at Richmond uh, this evening. And uh, I, I like that pick. I, I kind of like Brad Keselowski. Haven't really pinned down a pin, uh, pinned uh, pinned down a pick yet. But we'll be uh, talking to Dennis Michelson at D Mike Media uh, coming up in the next two segments. Here we'll be talking uh, NASCAR uh, Monster Cup Series with him, and we'll we'll kind of figure out a pick for Richmond tonight. Yeah, watch out for Kevin Harvick too. You know, yeah. he's starting up front, and uh, you know he's gonna he's gonna be tough, and you know that. Harvick definitely knows him and, and, and Rodney know how to make that car better from the start of the, from the drop of the green flag all the way to the finish. So, you know, uh, they, they could come out, come off the uh, hauler and their car could be junk. And by the end of the day, he's sneaking back into the top, you know, three, top five. Uh, he starts up, up there uh, tonight and, uh, you know, it wouldn't be a shocker if uh, if the number four finds victory lane. We were talking to the Polish pipe bomb, Jeff Orlowski, on the Great Midwest Bank hotline. And uh, switching gears to uh, baseball, what is going on with the Cubs? Are the Cubs going to win another game the rest of the year? No, they're done. And uh, it's it's sad. It is sad. But, uh, you know, they they just didn't have it all season long. They've got... A lot more talent than uh, than what their record shows, and uh, the bullpen has consistently let them down. They've had obviously tons and tons of injuries. Obvious, you know, the it's hard to get uh, Brewers fans to feel bad for you when you know Kristen Yelich is on the sidelines. But um, you know, the, it's just not been a good season for Chicago, and they don't deserve to make the playoffs, and they're not going to make it. So uh, it seems like all is right with the baseball world. And uh, the look out, you know, that they, they need to win the division. That one game wild card playoff is, uh, is just a brutal ending to a season. And, uh, you know, you, you don't want to get, you don't want to get in that, especially when they're right neck and neck with the division now. Hopefully they can pass up uh, St. Louis and, you know, Brewers fans, as much as it pains them, should be cheering for the Cubs mm-hmm. to beat these Cardinals so uh, the Brewers can take the division and not have to worry about the one-game playoff. Jeff, it's Mitch. I want to ask you, what's what's the percent chance that Joe Madden's actually back next year? I mean, it's got to it be a, less than 10, right? Yeah, I would put it at 10%. I think it's a uh, it's going to be just a horrible mistake to let him go. Uh, the rumor is that former catcher David Ross is, uh, is the guy, you know, that, uh, the Cubs have their eye on to replace Madden if he does, uh, not come back. And Mark Loretta, he's also, you know, the bench coach. He could be another choice, but I think with both of those, all you're getting is a yes man. And, uh, if you want to sit there and go the analytic baseball route where you know the guys are just 
following the numbers, and the GM is basically making the calls on pitching changes and batting orders and all that. And you know, it's not a bad pick, but uh, if you want a, an actual baseball manager. There's no one out there that, uh, unless they're going to get Terry Francona or somebody like that, which they're not going to, who's uh, who's going to be better than Joe Madden. So he brought that team a World Series, and uh, two, three short years later, now all of a sudden he's not good enough to coach. It uh, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. How about how about uh, tomorrow with the Packers and Denver Broncos? Who do you like in that one? Well, Packers, you know, I don't see uh, Joe Flacco putting up enough points to to match Aaron Rodgers. It, uh, it's another tough defense that, uh, that Rodgers and company is going to be going up against. But, uh, you know, they've, they've come out the right, on the right side the first two weeks. No reason to see that uh, they can't do it again. And uh, I think the Packers' defense is going to have a big day. I wouldn't be surprised if they pick off Flacco about three times tomorrow. But uh, I still think it's going to be fairly low scoring, like uh, 17-13, something like that. But I definitely expect Green Bay to, to be 3-0. and Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that we could definitely see a over-under at, at 30 or under. And I'm wondering... When was the last time we've seen the first three Packer games in which, you know, the over-under has been under 30 for all three of them, which it very well could be uh, when we're, you know, 24-plus hours from now? Yeah, I know. It, uh, it's kind of shocking when you think about it. But, um, you know, it. the only thing that scares me is, you know, another tough defensive front. And, you know, the Packers' offensive line has struggled the first couple weeks. And I, uh, it's no, no picnic this week either. So hopefully Rodgers can, can stay healthy, yep. stay on his feet, and, uh, and doesn't just get blasted back there. Like, you know, he's taken some big shots already this year and has been able to, to bounce back up. Hopefully he doesn't take too many uh, more tomorrow. But, uh, Barring injury or something awful happening like that, I think uh, I think Green Bay is a pretty safe bet. Jeff, thank you for coming on the air. We certainly appreciate it and looking forward to seeing you uh, back at the studio next week. Sounds good. Enjoy the race tonight and the games tomorrow, guys. All right, that's Jeff Orlowski joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Looking to buy, build, renovate, or refinance in 2019? Look no further and call Great Midwest Bank today. Great Midwest Bank, providing simply local common sense lending to your community since 1935. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Dennis Michelson from DMAC Media and talk more NASCAR coming up on the Final Inspection Show. Final Inspection. Final Inspection. Now, Dennis Michelson of D-Mike Media is here to give us the inside track on NASCAR and the world of short track racing. the final inspection show brought to you by the legendary great lakes dragway make sure to check out greatlakesdragway.com for all the latest news and also facebook on great lakes dragway on their facebook page where you will find out the latest in breaking news and what's happening at great lakes dragway such as today they're closed due to weather concerns coming up uh today so uh no no racing at great lakes dragway make sure you check them out uh, like I said, the, the aforementioned Facebook page or great, uh, greatlakesdrayway.com and see if they should be open tomorrow, which I'm thinking they should be, but double check. Always good things happening at Great Lakes Drayway, so make them check them out. Also, David Hobbs Honda. Make sure to check out davidhobbs.com for all the latest and new and used offerings for the best in Hondas and many different makes of used vehicles and, of course, pre-owned Honda certified pre-owned vehicles at David Hobbs Honda. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, of course, it is Dennis Michelson from D-Mike Media. Dennis, welcome to the show. 
Mr. Zucky, always a pleasure to be visiting with you on a Saturday afternoon. You know, last night I'm watching uh, I'm watching the Brewers, watching some sports, I'm watching some other stuff, and and as as I like to do, I have my little Apple laptop in front of me, and I, I just go perusing around. And one of the things I like to do is look at old newspapers on Google. There's a, a, a thing where it's all Google newspapers, and I like looking at the old Milwaukee Journal. And I've been doing this for a few years, and, of course, we had an issue with when uh, Gannett bought them, and those were off the Internet, and now they're back on, thank, thankfully. And I'm uh, just looking through some stuff last night. I'm uh, doing some book research and whatnot. And uh, and as, as as you do when you look at new, old newspapers, you get you get kind of taken off the path, and you're looking at other, other, other stuff. And I'm looking at an ad. I'm like, what the heck is this? I'm wondering if you remember this as a kid. I don't remember these. But did you know that Johnny Carson, at least in name only, had family restaurants? It was called Here's Johnny uh, Family Restaurants. In fact, they had two in Milwaukee, and I, I they, they, they didn't last long. I posted a, a link on my Facebook page. There's actually a little article. Uh, on them that I found on the internet. That's kind of interesting. But I'm wondering, uh, since we're roughly the same age, uh, do you remember those as a kid? I do not remember those. No. Yeah, yeah, there's so many many things like that, though, that have come and gone over the years. I was just talking about Lum's Hot Dogs. Oh, yeah. Used to be a thing all over the place. And now, you know, like... It is so wild to see so many of the brands that I remember as a kid that are either no more or they're so isolated. Like Jack in the Box was everywhere, and now mm-hmm. you only have a few of those out west. So it's just kind of interesting to see the brands that come and go. But uh, I love looking at old uh, old archived stuff like that because you're never sure what you're going to find. Yeah, there's actually there's a Wikipedia page on defunct. Uh, I guess franchise restaurants. It's it's kind of interesting, <laughs> and there's a little like thumbnail sketch of their history. You know, it's not detailed, but kind of you know indicates you know, they were around from you know whatever it's like 1968 to 1980, and a lot of times, uh, what it, what's funny is a lot of them are purchased by some type of firm, financial firm, or another company, and then they just go to hell. <laughs> yeah. Or or Very the one that true. frustrates Very me. True. I, 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 the one that always frustrated me was, uh, I loved the Zantigo, uh, cause you know, back in the early eighties, there was two fast food Mexican restaurants. There was Zantigo and Taco Bell. And I always thought, and most people, at least in that I hung around with Zantigo was the superior of the two. And I was like, Taco Bell bought out Zantigo and killed them. And I was just so mad that they did that. So, uh, life life goes on, though, doesn't it? Absolutely, but it's always nice to reminisce about the, the <laughs> brands that are no longer around and people listening, and their main reaction isn't that they're entertained, but for thinking, my God, Zotke and Michelson are really old. <laughs> well, you know, and, and we might prove ourselves, are, are, are we old because we love Richmond a raceway as much as we do. I just I was talking to Jeff Orlowski in the previous segment, and we've always said for for the ovals, you know. I, I, of course, I, I love Daytona because you know it's Daytona, and it's the first race of the year and all that. But for just pure green flag, the checkered flag, good racing, entertaining strategies, everything that goes along with it, Richmond is right up at the top, isn't it for you? Oh, absolutely. But here's the problem, though, is is fans that have come along to follow NASCAR in about the last 10 to 15 years never got to see the old Richmond. Remember when yeah. Richmond, when the when the fairgrounds track was only a half mile and you had that, that Armco uh, barrier around the outside? You had some of the best racing back in the 80s at Richmond, you know, when ESPN was just starting to to show off, you know, NASCAR to the masses. That's when Richmond was the best. Richmond's always been a great track, but the problem that I have with this track now in the last few years is the problem at a lot of short tracks. You've taken horsepower away from these guys at all levels, and they can't do 
what they used to do at Richmond. And also with the, the, the rule package the way they are, and, you know, you're talking a three-quarter mile speedway, but you're talking a track now that has real aero concerns at just three-quarters of a mile. Now you're looking at a situation where these guys can't beat and bang and rub the way they used to, and that's taken a little bit of the charm away from this track, but it's still a fun place to watch racing. And for the fans, if you go to Richmond Raceway, they used to call it Richmond International. I still sometimes make that mistake. But if you go to Richmond Raceway, you are going to get one of the best dollar values as a fan also. Great track. Yeah, it is. It, well, here's the deal with Richmond, though. It was located on a fairgrounds that was owned by the government. They wanted to get it away from there. And we've seen the issues, you know, locally with the Milwaukee Mile. Sure. I mean, it was a move that had to be done. And it was a smart move in, in hindsight, you know. And it's I, I, I understand what you're saying that you know, with that, but uh let's 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 be thankful they didn't make it a one point five high bank. You know, no, no, no. <laughs> no, absolutely. And it's still you know, still relative to everything else, it's a great track and it has great racing. But I just remember the days oh, yeah. when you were actually allowed to touch in NASCAR and not screw your car up. Or arrow was not a factor at a three-quarter mile track just 10 years ago, and you didn't care if you had a little damage. Now you get the least bit of a rub. I mean, again, I date back far enough in racing, and you don't even have to go that far. 15 years ago, they used to have a slightly different look to the cars at the short tracks like Richmond because the wheel wells would be wide open. So it wasn't all about aero. Now the wheel wells are the same, whether you're at Talladega Super Speedway or Martinsville or Richmond. And to me, that takes away it from does. the ability of these guys to lean on each other. Yeah. Because, you know, they, the old adage in racing, eight tires, corner better than four. When was the last time you saw a guy be able to lean on another car to make the pass? Instead, they get alongside each other, and they grind away for like five laps until somebody's tires get hot, then the other guy has to retreat. But this was also another track back in the day where before they switched to the radial tires, and I'm not saying they should go back to the bias ply, but just like the old Milwaukee Mile, remember how you'd be down the corner and you'd hear that squeal. It, yeah. Because every lap those tires were, the, the cars were sliding. They were sliding, and it was who had the best car control not just who had the best car. And now we're in the, in that state of racing that, you know, everything hooks up even at the three-quarter mile tracks. It's like these guys are slot car racers. They're still talented race car drivers. Don't get me wrong. But I would like to see NASCAR sort of loosen up on those wheel wells at the short track. Have a different template for a short track. Allow these guys to beat and bang a little bit. That's what I love about NASCAR short track racing. We don't get it anymore. No, we don't. It's almost as if uh, NASCAR is a little bit paranoid. You know, there's this paranoia that's been running through the garages and the offices of Daytona for the last, you know, 15 years, 20 years, where they're so afraid that a, a team or that is going to get an advantage. And they work so hard and they, 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 they dumb down the cars so much. And, you know, they want to keep everything the same. And, and, and by doing that, yeah, they, 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 I think they've hurt racing a bit because there's nothing more frustrating than some good racing. And then there's a car going into the wall because they had a tire rub and it's just foolishness, you know, and it's almost be, become, it's an offensive weapon in a way where you could almost take a guy out if you want by rubbing up on him, uh, either, you know, with, with, hoping the car gets a flat tire or whatever, some type of damage, and he's taken out. So, yeah, it is frustrating. And, yeah, I would love to see that where, yeah, Martinsville and the short tracks and North Wilkesboro and all of those, yeah, they had the huge, huge wheel wells, and you didn't have to worry about tire rubs, and it was good racing. But, uh, Dennis, let's go take a quick break here. We'll come back, and I want to kind of dive into the race tonight as the Badgers have just scored again. And they're opening up a four-touchdown lead on Michigan uh, at Whoa. Camp Randall. That's incredible. I just I, I thought they were going to win, but not not like this. So uh, we're, we're I think we're about to see the surrender cobras uh, from the the boys in blue and uh, yellow here. But uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk more NASCAR race with Dennis Michelson from D Mike Media. 
This is Final Inspection with Steve Zaki. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway. Just an FYI, Great Lakes Dragway is closed today due to weather concerns, especially for this afternoon with the impending showers. They're supposed to stick around all night long, so Great Lakes is closed. Make sure you check out their Facebook page tomorrow, whether they will be open tomorrow, which I think they may be. I think the weather is supposed to clear out overnight, so... And also thank uh, DavidHobbs.com, David Hobbs Honda, for supporting the show. Appreciate it. And joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, it is Dennis Michelson from D-Mike Media. Dennis, what's the latest at D-Mike Media? Oh, my goodness. We're just adding so much stuff all the time. It's just crazy. Of course, next week we'll have Braden Eves on with another edition of On the Road with Braden Eves. He's racing in the USF 2000 Series Championship. There are showdown races out at uh, Laguna Seca this weekend. And also, I'll be having some information about the Danville Dashers hockey team. You might hear occasional whistles in the background today. Uh, I'm out here at uh, the open tryout camp for the Danville Dashers. And here's the good news for Dashers fans. I can't tell the ringer players that from the real team uh, and the guys that are trying out. There's that much talent out here at David S. Palmer Arena today in Danville, Illinois. So uh, going to be a lot of fun. Just uh, head on over and, of course, uh, got our uh, usual fantasy football content over at fakepigskin.com where I kind of scold everybody about mismanaging their flex positions. And for those who aren't into fantasy football, that sounds a little dirty, but I know Zaki understands what I'm talking about. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot. Who's your uh, sleeper for this week? Oh, my goodness. That is a very, very, very good question. And my sleeper this week isn't much of a sleeper. It's Shady McCoy with the Chiefs. Mm -hmm. uh, Will, uh, Damian Williams is out. But I've got a sneaky stash for you if you're a fantasy football player and have that empty roster space because you have had an injury. Uh, grab the other D. Williams, Daryl Williams, he might be able to, to be a good stash for you later in the season. And another guy that I like is uh, the new quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers, believe it or not. I have a feeling we're going to see some pretty good stuff from Mason Rudolph. So if you are in desperate need of a quarterback, uh, that's got to grab. But uh, head over to fakepigskin.com. Every week I do have a waiver wire pickup article so uh, for you to look at. And I've been all over uh, Will Disley at tight end. This week, if you need a replacement, yeah, he is. He, yeah, he does have some upside. So, you're not a fan of Darwin Thompson, who I have on a couple of my rosters and the Chiefs. No, Darwin is a good player to hold. He's a good player to have right now. But the, the I'm a big believer in the variance of outcomes, and I like to minimize risk when it comes to fantasy football. Darwin Thompson could get 15 touches this week, or he could get three. There's just this wide variance of outcomes. It depends if Shady McCoy stays healthy the whole game. He's been beat up. Uh, Darwin Thompson's a great player to own. I also like loading up on all the wide receivers in that game. Marquise Brown for the Ravens is going to have a big game as long as the Storms stay away. And also Nicole Hardman and Demarcus Robinson, along with Sammy Watkins, along with Travis Kelsey, and along with the uh, Ravens tight end, Mark Andrews, all great plays. That's going to be a great game and should be a high-scoring game, one that you want to be owning players in for your fantasy lineups this week. Yeah, Mark Andrews had a very disappointing season last year with, with uh, injuries, and that showed a couple of flashes later in the season. But, yeah, he's uh, certainly one, especially with that offense, uh, is one to look at. And uh, Make sure you check out DMIC Media for all the rest of uh, Dennis's uh, – Picks. This guy knows a bit about fantasy football, so make sure you check that out. Uh, switching gears once again to NASCAR and Richmond. You know, I, one of the other reasons why this is kind of the elephant in the room, why we like Richmond, is that it's a 400-lap race, 300 miles. It's not a big five-hour grind. 
it's over in a nice it it fits a nice time frame, doesn't it, Dennis? Oh, it absolutely does. And when you get a weekend weather-wise like you're going to get in Richmond tonight, you know you're not going to have that uh, rain delay. And I like the fact that they actually start this race fairly early in the evening, so uh, it really will be over on time tonight. But it'll be a great race. You know, people get on me for being so critical about NASCAR. The competition is closer than it's ever been. We've got more possible winners than ever before out there. But there's just something about wanting to see some beating and banging at a Mm -hmm. short track. That's one of the things I love about NASCAR, and that seems to be missing. But don't get me wrong, folks. It is going to be a great race to tune in. And I really like the coverage over on NBC uh, Sports Channel. All the NBC announcers do such a good job. I I enjoy the broadcast. I also enjoy that they give us some different looks to the broadcast from time to time. They give us sort of that radio call some weeks with the the Mm -hmm. reporters, and then other weeks they give us just the traditional call. I really like the mixing and matching and giving us some variety. Uh, it adds some enthusiasm to the broadcast if you're watching at home. It certainly does. Uh, and we have the, the let's do the top ten. The lineup for the Federated Auto Parts 400 at Richmond, and it was uh, Brad Keselowski on the pole, Kevin Harvick who uh, could be one to watch uh, on the outside of the front row, Chase Elliott who was Jeff Orlowski's pick, along with uh, Kyle Busch who's not a fan of Garrett Smithley. Uh, we have Clint Boyer, <laughs> Denny Hamlin, who always runs strong at this r- racetrack, Eric Amarola, Martin Truex, Kurt Busch, and Jimmy Johnson is your top ten. And uh, Michael McDowell, who's uh, been sneaking up on people. And, of course, we have uh, the fan favorite uh, Guido, Matt DiBenedetto, qualifying f- uh, 12th. And uh, who, who do you like out of that group though, for the tonight? Well, earlier this week over at FrontStretch.com, I actually picked Kyle Busch to win this race. And after a little bit of extra thought on this one and watching practice yesterday, it wasn't so much qualifying. It was just practice. Uh, and I know it's, you know, Ellen Iverson will yell at me for, you know, talking about practice. practice. But I really liked the way Kevin Harvick was running yesterday, especially after the tires wore a little bit. Now, it's not like the old days where the tires gave up so much that guys, you know, could be kind of stingy early on and, and milk those tires. He was running hard every lap, but he was seeming to me to drop off less and also to have less handling problems. So I think Harvick's going to get things off to a good start. And, you know, speaking of short tracks, though, I just want to mention, you know, I don't know, all the old-time NASCAR fans, and we're all heartbroken that, we lost uh, Mr. Mike Stefanik uh, uh, over the weekend, last weekend, in that plane crash. Uh, Stefanik, you know, it, it was just one of those guys that, you know, when they raced modified mm-hmm. at the short track, you know, on the same weekends as NASCAR, you got to see just how good this guy was. And, uh, you know, it's just a really, really a shame that we, uh, we lost him before we got a chance to honor him in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Yeah, it certainly was. Uh, yeah, tragic that uh, uh, losing him in Connecticut uh, last weekend. Um, is there any? Well, let I want to talk about the 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 what Kyle Bush said about Garrett Smithley. What what's your opinion? Uh, if you, for those who may have missed it, uh, there was an incident where Smithley's holding his line, which, as far as I know, I didn't want to know what they said in in the drivers' meeting at Vegas last weekend, but I know in most racing series. The one thing they always stress, if you're being lapped or you're slower, is that you keep your line. Let the guy who making the pass decide where to go. So he's holding his line. He had cars on the inside and the outside. He's holding his line. Kyle Busch comes around and, and runs into him. And and after the race, Kyle, Kyle Busch said, you know, there's guys out there that shouldn't be in race cars, paraphrasing, and some of these guys haven't even won a late model race yet. Uh, Talk to us about about that. Well, first of all, when it comes to this whole concept of he never won at such and such level, let me remind the public there was a certain racer that didn't light the world on fire when he was on the old ASA National Tour. He didn't light the world on fire when he was racing in the old Bush Grand National Series. In fact, he had one win his entire Bush Grand National career. 
And he kind of went out and, and showed that he was a pretty good race car driver. You may have heard of him. Uh, this guy, he, he, he won seven championships. A, a guy by the name of Jimmy Johnson. You might remember him, Kyle Busch. He didn't do much at the previous level either. Here's the thing. Where was Smithley supposed to go? Another right. car was overtaking him. So he was trying to get out of the way of two faster cars. Yes, he's a slowpoke on the track. Yes, he's not going to be, you know, factoring in as a, as a guy who's going to run in the top ten. But he's getting his name out there. For young racers, and I've worked with a lot of uh, young racers over the years, guys like Josh Balicki, who you know, you know, you know, guys like Camden Murphy, who are just trying to make their way in NASCAR racing. Guess how they get to be in the garage area and get seen and talk to people each and every week and let them know they're still in racing. They take the dregs of the world type cars to race and they race in the back of the pack and they just try to stay out of everybody's way because they got a slow car. They are earning their dues in this sport and it used to be respected back in the day. Guys used to get a ride with a lesser known team as a way to get themselves recognized and get up to that next level. Now all of a sudden, Get out of my way. You don't belong on the track. Well, Kyle Busch, I know you've got more talent than all these guys put together that are running from the other side of the garage. But give me a break, you little punk. I am just so tired. You know, at least the one good thing that is happening with all these Kyle Busch rant and raves, we don't hear how much that fatherhood and marriage has matured him because he's the same punk that I met when he was racing out in Las Vegas at the short tracks, he was 14 years old. He was a cocky little guy, and he's still a cocky little guy. Yes, he's got a lot of talent, but he's never grown up emotionally. And that's, you run into a guy in the back of his car, you were the one at fault. Oh, we can't top that. Dennis, thank you so much <laughs> for joining us, and we look forward to chatting with you next week on the Final Inspection Show. You're very welcome, Z-Man. And right. by reminding everybody, head over to frontstretch.com for more NASCAR rants and raves from D-Mike. All right. Thank you so much, Dennis. And uh, join, join in the show next is going to be Dick Carth, who was actually in the NASCAR race up at Road America earlier. And he's at the Wisconsin Automotive Museum where they're doing a car show tribute to the great Miles Melius. And uh, looking forward to chatting with uh, Dick coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, along with David Hobbs Honda joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. It is Dick Carth. Welcome to the show, Dick. Hi, how are things today? Fantastic, fantastic. And apparently you're at the Wisconsin Automotive Museum in Hartford, which I think is one of the great uh, secrets. It is a really, really cool place. And uh, because they have the Southeastern Wisconsin Short Track Hall of Fame there, which in itself is a very cool place. So those two components together just makes a really, really cool place to visit. And today it's kind of neat because you guys have a car show there and a tribute to one of the great Wisconsin drivers of all time, uh, Miles DeMouse Melius. Yep, Steve, you're, you're correct on all points. I was here yesterday getting ready in the museum for the event today, and there were two guys. Uh, who had never been to the museum before. They're big racing fans. And if they said to me once, they said it five times, they couldn't believe how really nice and how interesting the museum was along with the Hall of Fame uh, uh, section of the museum. And um, we had a pretty good turnout of cars today. Uh, I'm looking over the, the cars. I see Tim Lampman's car. I see... The Orange Blossom Special is here. Ah, Two of the Mouse's yeah. cars are here. Um, 
great turnout, and there's still time for people to come out and see all the action. Yeah, it's really, really neat deal. Uh, it's on until 3 o'clock. And um, what I like about the museum in itself, the, the automotive part, it has a Wisconsin uh, tinge to it, whatever you want to call it, with a lot of Wisconsin base cars, which a lot of people might not be aware of, that were built in Wisconsin. But also a lot of interesting cars that you probably haven't seen in many, many, many years. One one thing about if you go to a car, uh, to let's face it, there's a lot of 69 Camaros and Chevelles at, at, at car shows that you see. But what's neat about uh, Wisconsin Automotive Museum is there's a lot of interesting cars. Uh, not not the most popular cars, so uh, kind of, I don't want to say oddball cars, but you know, quite interesting cars there. And then add the component of the, the Southeast Eastern Wisconsin Short Track Hall of Fame in itself has a lot of uh, not only uh, cars on display there, but also the photos on the wall, everything, and the memorabilia there. It really kind of shows the history uh, that dates back you know, many, many years to and, and a lot of the iconic drivers that have raced and come from Wisconsin. I mean, I I I I put Wisconsin next to almost any other state in the union for for drivers that have come out of uh, out of here. Whether it's uh, guys like Norm Nelson, Alan Kowicki, you know, and then even uh, short track drivers like uh, you know Roger Regeth and those guys who who really really were a heck of a driver and you know. It, it they, they they certainly were talented, weren't they, Dick? That's that's really true, and and when you really uh, dig into it, um, Wisconsin has been blessed, first of all, with a lot of great tracks throughout the area, especially in southeastern Wisconsin. Uh, so many of the dirt tracks uh, allowed the guys that were running track cars, which turned into stock cars, uh, with and or midgets and sprint cars were allowed to, uh, given the opportunity to perfect their craft and and move on to the national scene. Uh, as far as manufacturers, so many people uh, don't realize that, like the Kissel car, uh, which has a prominent position in the museum, um, was built right here in Hartford, and it was a luxury car. Uh, Nash, American Motors, uh, in, in Kenosha, Racine, and Milwaukee with the various parts of the production done there. Uh, again, people just don't realize the, the history that the state of Wisconsin has had uh, in automotive manufacturing uh, as well as motorsports. Yeah, it certainly has. And uh, another thing you're involved with, uh, in which uh, if fans remember seeing the you're, you you were up, they wrote America, for the NASCAR Xfinity uh, Series race, and one of the uh, th- one of the things you were promoting up there on the car was the Dick Trickle project. And uh, to talk to the fans about that that the, the very worthy project. Well, I, I originally met Dick in the '70s uh, when I was living in Lacrosse, and every Wednesday night, he and the Central Wisconsin Racing Association's traveling circus came to to West Salem and ran at Larry Weir's racetrack, and um, I maintained a, a, a friendship with him over the years and I'd always wanted to, to get involved in motorsports but never had the opportunity and then in 2005 I bought the number nine in the High Lake Myers Ford that he had driven for Junie Donlevy at, at Watkins Glen in 96 and um, I, I ran into him oftentimes at, at uh, uh, Oktoberfest and various other places. And then Dick passed away four or five years ago, and uh, I got a couple of calls from mutual friends. We need to figure out a way to remember Dick and and provide some lasting memory of him. And then suddenly uh, I saw on Facebook that two of his former fierce competitors, Marv Marzafka and Tom Refner, they all grew up together in central Wisconsin, raced together. They started this memorial project in Dick's hometown of Rudolph. And they've raised hundreds of thousands of dollars. And in May of this year, they dedicated the memorial and the statue is there in Rudolph for everyone to see. And I mean, it's it's really done as a first class deal. And uh, I encourage everybody who's uh, a fan of motorsports and was a fan of Dick's, whether it was in the short track era that he ran. Uh, he's the winningest short track driver in the history of, of motorsports or followed his NASCAR career 
the oldest rookie of the year in NASCAR in the Cup Series, uh, to go up to Rudolph and see it. It is um, it, it, it it has exceeded my expectations. Very very, it's good stuff, Dick. And uh, tell us about your your uh, uh, entry into NASCAR. Now you drove an ARCA race up at Road America, and we had you on the show uh, uh, that weekend a couple of years ago, but you also had the opportunity to race in uh, the Xfinity series or road America. And, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty neat deal. Wasn't it? it? It was, um, my start in motorsports was 2005 when I bought the high league Myers car from Junie Don Levy. And I was ra- road racing it primarily with Midwestern council of sports car clubs, uh, road America, Blackhawk farms, Milwaukee mile, a couple of other tracks, had the opportunity to take the car to the first vintage SVRA event at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. You were there. I think you were the the, the uh, curator of the, the big cars. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bill Pretzel came along, and, and we split the car. And uh, I got better and better at it. And uh, when ARCA decided to come to Road America, um, I got involved with uh, John Nelson and, from Hartford and Ron Jeraminski from Oak Creek. And we built, put together a car. I ran that in in uh, seventeen, and that turned out pretty good. And did a start and park for Andy Hillenberg at Madison in eighteen, my my oval debut, so to speak. And uh, I took a chance and called Brett Bodine earlier this year, and uh, and he encouraged me to to file an application for for with him. And lo and behold, I got a call a couple of weeks before Road America. And I was approved for an Xfinity license on road courses. Next thing I know is I'm talking to Carl Long, and uh, we worked out a deal, and uh, I got to, to start an Xfinity race in his car. I mean, for for a guy who got picked last in kickball in grade school from <laughs> Shano, um, I mean, this is this is something I never expected to do, and I've and I've met people. Um, that, uh, you know, I only dreamed of, of being able to meet someday, and I'm on a first-name basis with them. That's pretty cool. Good stuff. Uh, and uh, make sure if you're out in the neighborhood, if you can get out there today, out, out in Hartford, uh, the Wisconsin Automotive Museum, the Southeastern Wisconsin Short Track Hall of Fame, going on till 3 o'clock, car show, and also a tribute to the great Miles the Mouse Milius. And uh, pretty, pretty neat event. And if you're not able to get out there, uh, make sure you check them out online and, and uh, make sure to, if you're, it, it's worth the trip to go out there to see the, the museum and the Short Track Hall of Fame up there. Neat stuff. And Dick, uh, thank you for joining the show. Appreciate it. You're quite welcome. And that was Dick Carth joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Looking to buy, build, renovate, or refinance in 2019? Look no further and call Great Midwest Bank today. Great Midwest Bank providing simply local, common-sense lending to your community since 1935. We're going to take a break here. We'll have a sports flash top of the hour. When we come back, we'll talk to George Phillips from the Oil Pressure blog and uh, talking IndyCar racing with George coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.